0: Hello and welcome to another round of Table Talk. We're really excited for what's coming on our program today. What you, what you want to know about Table Talk, Table Talk is, is a midweek program where we have guests who come on, we'll interview them, hear their testimony, hear their heart, but also we have a bit of trivia, a bit of fun, it is so good, and then we're followed by a message. And, you know, today we've got a special uh, couple on, the name of Andrew and Allison Fistenich, they're going to be on very shortly. Then they're going to be followed by Grant Spicer. Grant Spicer is a young up-and-coming preacher. He's an amazing speaker. He's a, he's a teacher. He's got a YouTube channel where he keeps his kids entertained while we're on lockdown. Check out his YouTube channel, Grant Spicer. You won't be disappointed. Uh, in fact, in today's Table Talk, we're going to be taking communion together. So if you haven't already, um, get get yourself either a juice, some water, or whatever you need, and then um, we're going to have communion together at the end. So it'll, be, so it'll be really, really good for us to do that. And so, just to let you know, um, Andrew and Alison Fistonich—they've been part of our church for for many, many, many years. In fact, um, they've got an amazing story, amazing testimony. Um, they came to to Elam back in the mid '80s, and and it's a really incredible story. So that and so Andrew was kind of like a, they were kind of like hippies when they first arrived on the scene and uh, and really look for God to lead them. And they went to, a, um, uh, went to some kind of like a, a mystical meeting and, and someone was talking about healing. And, and as he was listening to this person, Andrew really felt, he heard a voice inside of saying, this person is lying for whatever reason. And so they left. And anyway, they found their way to Elam. So we've got Andrew and Alison Fistenich and so here they are. Hello, Andrew and Alison Fistenich. How are you? Great to see you guys. And so tell us about your story. How did we end up at Elam, Alison? That was because of you.
1: Because as part of this new age exploration thing, I had heard of this um, foundation called the Emin Foundation. So it sounds like Elam, but it's not. And uh, so there was a sign we were just driving on Sunday night and there was a you know the sign that used to be on the corner of the street there by the lake. And it said Elam. And I said to Andrew, Oh, let's go there. Let's go and have a look. So oh, we I said, God,
0: show us, show us a sign. <laughs>
1: show us a sign, God. Oh Lord, I'll go to church if you show
0: me a sign. And you saw a sign.
1: We saw a sign. So we followed the signs to the Elam church. And lo and behold, um, we were greeted by Moses at the door. Don.
0: <laughs> Don Woods.
1: Uh, Don
2: yeah, if you're greeted by an old testament prophet, well, you know, there's
0: gotta be something going yeah. on. Just just explain to some of my viewers out there what Don Woods looks like, just for for, for those who are just tuning in and don't don't know, trying to get a picture of what 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 would Don Woods look like?
2: Well, he had a big grey beard and he didn't have, you know, the Ten Commandments carved in stone in his hand, but he might as well have, because he just had that. Air of authority around him, like he was going yeah. to part the
0: waters or something like that. <laughs> right, that's yeah. fantastic. So, and so, and that, well, that was the beginning of a journey with Elam. So, um, there's more so to, the story. So, there's so, more to okay. the story. Yeah, yeah, there's so, okay, yeah So, what happened that,
2: that that day that we were there is that there was um, a speaker, missionary lady, who'd been working in Kalimantan, Indonesia, and she started sharing all these radical stories about how people had been um, healed from these terrible sicknesses and all this kind of stuff, demons cast out. And then she talked, I think she said that there were three recorded cases of people being raised from the dead. And naturally, I would be very skeptical of anything like that, but at that moment, I had almost exactly the same experience of just this very clear, Sensation or feeling of someone saying to me, "She's telling the truth." So it was the same kind of voice or impression, but whereas the first time it was negative, this time it was positive. Yeah. And then then I just kept listening to her, and I I said to Alison, "Oh my gosh, I think she's telling the truth," and I I couldn't believe I was saying that. But looking back, I can see that was the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. He'd been preparing us.
0: Yeah.
2: Hungry. And he just spoke to us at the right time, and it made a massive impact on our lives. So it took us a little while to come back to Elam, and oh, because we were living in uh, Narawahi at the time. That's right. why. But it took us a couple of months, I think,
0: mm-hmm.
2: to get back. but in the meantime, we it was went a long to... way to walk. Was it a long way to walk? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we had to feed dub and) we, you know. uh, so we actually ended up going to a, a meeting where this uh, um, American evangelist was speaking, and he was the real like uh, hellfire kind of evangelist. <laughs> and I think anybody sitting on the front row were getting covered in his spit, you know, when he was yelling. <laughs> it was a real stereotypical kind of thing. And we can't remember what he talked about. It wasn't like a salvation message, but at the end of his message, he did—he gave this call. For anybody that had never repented, anyone that had never given their lives to Christ, to come up the front. Oh no, no! He said to stick your hand up. And we just turned to one another and we realised, you know, we 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 kind of believe now, but we have not asked for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We've not, yeah, sort of yielded our lives to Christ. And so we both stuck our hands up together. <laughs> And then the <laughs> next thing he said is, okay, now I want you to come out the front if you've stuck up your
0: head. <laughs> oh, gotcha.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we were a little bit freaked out by that. Like we thought, oh, that's, uh, that's tricky, interesting, tricky. tricky. But we really knew something was <laughs> happening. And there were about six of us and we went up the front. And we, like you said before, you know, I had long hair. Our clothing was kind of, you know, patched and, um, you know, for a lack of a better word, hippie ish looking. And, and we could even tell when we walked up the front, people were looking at us funny and <laughs> giving us <laughs> a bit of a bad vibe, really. But all <laughs> this negative stuff was happening, but we knew God had his hand on us and we should go up the front. And we prayed this prayer and we got prayed for and we got ushered off into a side room, didn't we? And that was another thing. You know, it was all a bit intense but they had this like counseling team to, um, you know, talk to people that made a first time, you know, commitment of faith. And the funny thing was the guy that I was paired with, I went to intermediate school with him. And um, I, you know, I hadn't seen him for years and years, but it was just like a safe connection. And I felt, yeah, somewhat uh, comforted by that, Mm -hmm. yeah. But as I say, the church gave us a bit of a bad vibe. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we, we knew we'd had an interaction with God, but not with the church, if that makes sense.
0: yeah
2: so yeah. Decided, Let's go back to Elam. This is when Elam was in uh Kofi Street by the lake. Yeah. And uh so we started going back there. And I think, you know, as Allison said, you know, Don Wards was there, gave me a big hug, like, you know, I was a long lost friend, and then we just started to get plugged in mm. to, to the
0: church, really. Yeah, it was amazing. You're right. So, you guys turn up, you guys rock up the church, and you don't look like everybody else. So, this is, is this, is this the, are we talking about the, the 80s here? This is the 80s, mid it 80s. Mid-80s. So it's mid 80s, mid 80s. And you guys turn up mid 80s, don't look like everybody here, everybody. You don't look like the church person. So, um, and, but it's amazing that, that God will then take your lives. In fact, um, I, I, would you say that? with you guys arriving it also helped people at the church to journey a bit more on their journey about actually you know it's it's uh, people are different and and which which is different is okay what do you reckon
2: i think it did make a, a difference especially when they saw that we we were there to stay right and i think i have to say in all honesty like the first six months was pretty hard you know like one of our first prayers, you know, as we were learning, you know, that we could pray to God was to make friends. And we, funny thing happened. Some older folks in the church invited us for lunch, but they'd already invited someone else for lunch, this other young couple. Wow. And um, when that young couple found out that we had been invited for lunch, they made up a story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I basically oh, wow.
2: lied to say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, to this older <laughs> couple, we can't come to lunch, you know,
0: because that they're so funny.
2: kind of intimidated by the way we looked. And they told us this later because they were actually our answer to prayer. They became our friends a few months later. And uh, they told us this and we thought it was hilarious. We didn't get it. But, you know, looking back, yeah, we were different. It's like today. People are all different, you know, they look different, they're different ethnicities. People have got tattoos and piercing and all that. Nobody cares much, but uh, back in the day, it wasn't like that. It was like everybody was sort of conformed to a certain way of looking. in the 80s, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, so coming to church I,
0: I, today, coming to, to today, down. you won't experience you won't see that kind of experience again coming. So, if you walked into Elam, is how. What what the difference between then and now, and do you think just because God's journey, the church through things, the church has grown with God and through the time? What do you what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it's night and day now. I think there's just you know people don't judge you based on um, how you look. Um, I think yeah, it's it's really different. And, And if if the same you know sort of thing were to happen today, well, it wouldn't happen today because. Yeah, people just wouldn't have that kind of reaction. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to judge people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's just how society was really. Like yeah. for example, we were vegetarians back then, before it was trendy to be vegetarian and people <laughs> just would freak out. They didn't know how to
0: cope with that. Whereas today it's i still freak out. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> yeah, I freak out now. But- <laughs> Hey, uh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you're right, because, you know, we, our society's journeyed, church's journeyed, and it's amazing where God is taking us today. Okay, uh, our time's kind of been <laughs> gone because we had a bit of technical difficulties. But no but really quickly, just share about your, your kids and what you guys are doing now. Uh,
1: okay, kids. Kids are all in their bubbles. Um,
0: How many kids you got?
1: Working from home. We've got four, four children. So our daughter's down in Wellington. Um, she works from home in the middle of this COVID thing, um, and Sam is married to Michaela there in Hamilton, um, and he's working from home in his bubble with her. She's working from home as well. She's a Teaching. lecturer at yeah. Vision College. Um,
2: James is here in Auckland, and he's also he's working from home. He works part time for his church up here too. Oh, awesome. No, ben has just started at Victoria University so it's kind of a bit of a shaky start but like a lot of places he's having a midterm break uh, right now like that early break and um, then they should have it set up for him to do his classes online. online. And that's what I'm doing here at Laidlaw College. Um, I, I mean I'm a research student now, master's student so you know, I'm, I'm by myself a lot anyway, but I was having these block courses, but now they've um, changed to like on the, online delivery. So I have videos sometimes and Zoom meetings, you know, like with the whole class at other times. So it's working out pretty well, actually. We're pretty thankful.
0: All right, good. Oh, good. we got someone, one of our people in the chat groups, they said, uh, from PAC, P-A-C, they said they, they love your heart, Angie and Allison, So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, So Alison, what are you doing now?
1: I'm uh, working from home uh, for the library here at, at Laidlaw and also studying because I'm still doing distance studies with Open Polytechnic as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty busy.
0: Uh, awesome. Well, that's that's great. Uh, well, I, you know, wish we could stay and talk more, but we've got a bit of a trivia challenge. Um, so, we're going um, to link into Grant Spicer. Grant Spicer, are you there? Mr. Grant Spicer. Hey, hey Grant. Grant. This, this is the young preacher. Young preacher, he's a little bit younger than me, just a little bit. What are we like? Five years apart? No, I still got <laughs> my hair. <head. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so um, so I'm looking forward to the message you're going to bring. So Grant's going to um, he's a Grant Spicer. You should check out his YouTube channel, Grant Spicer. Got some great things for kids, if kids out there. Go to his YouTube uh, channel; you won't be disappointed. Grant's going to ask of um, some questions for us. So it's uh, what are we going to go to. Grant, are we going to go best to four, best to three? And um, and so basically, these are the rules. Um, Andrew Nelson. Oh no, this is embarrassing. Grant's gonna ask the question, and we're just gonna—you just gotta answer first. The answer first. one to answer correctly gets a point. Okay. And um, basically, the there are there are no prizes. Just bragging rights. Okay. So it's really good. I'm I'm a bit intimidated because I'm coming up against a theologian here. Uh um, did I'm you write about, um, the questions though, Ants? Did you write the questions? <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Sorry, sorry, I can't hear you <laughs> Okay, okay, Grant, we're handing it over to you. he here, ask the questions. Let's see All what right, we got uh,
3: we go first to three or first to four. Look, we'll try first the three, and then if Ants is still winning, then we'll go first four. <laughs> <laughs> to four. And from there. Okay, here we go. All right, so our first one, this is the Bible one. Um Name the woman who was wife to both Mabel and David. Uh, uh, Abigail. Uh, Ants. Oh one point to Ants. Yes. Yeah. Abigail. <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> do I do like a tally? Do I have to hold up like who's winning? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh, oh, i know I got my point in my here. <laughs> someone, <now. laughs> someone can just write it in the chat. Go, Ants. <laughs> right, here we go. This one is geography. All right. What is the smallest country in the world? Cook Islands. <laughs> uh,
1: nope. Like, C- is
3: land size? Um, look, or to be honest, size? I didn't really write the question, but yeah, <laughs> say land size. So Vatican is a state, right? Yes. Yep, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Vatican City. Uh, I think that's contest contestable. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. One point each.
1: Oh, God, I was gonna choose
3: another one that Ant doesn't know. Um we go. Nah, we'll go we'll go Bible one. Okay, this one the Bible one. Um whom does the Lord correct? The Proud. Proud. No. Oh the wise. No <laughs> the faithful You can't just pick random stuff. <laughs> <You've got to laughs> like. Correctors. No one likes correct Yeah, that. Yeah, really like.
2: that's a specific verse,
1: right? Yeah.
3: yeah. Be the proud. The proud. I, right? I did not write the answers, yeah. but um, that is not the answer I've got. Sorry. What's the answer? The answer is those he loves.
1: Oh, Oh, right. Okay, so it depends on the
2: translation. That should be discipline,
1: huh? King James
3: version, man. King James. Oh, no. Okay, Okay. here we go. All right, here we go. This one is music. What was the name of the rock band formed by Jimmy Page?
2: Led Zeppelin.
3: Yes. Oh, hey. That's not fair. (laughs) Now, um... Lead, Andrew, do you want to choose between Bible or food? Which one do you feel like you've got, you
2: know? Oh, might stick to Bible, I
3: think. Yeah, I don't Bible. know. All right, here we go. Uh, what prophet saw the branch of an almond tree? Nathan. No. no
2: it was, it was the Isaiah.
3: No. Uh, and
0: random people. <laughs>
2: Was it Micah? <laughs> Who no? Who saw the uh, um,
0: almond tree? Not Ezekiel. It was owl It <laughs> was Al one of the
3: mom. M- one one oh, um m- Ezekiel! A drum roll, Now, nah, I'm, ants! I'm gonna ban you soon. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, tell uh, tell us something.
2: Not Obadiah. No. You got okay. three seconds.
3: Two. Samuel. One. Habakkuk. No. Jeremiah. All right, we're still on two to one. So we're going to do a food one. Oh, I didn't even know this one. Which country invented tea?
0: England. Oh, India. India.
3: No. China. China. Oh.
0: Three points Andrew. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You guys, take, you guys got a, a um, Andrew and Allison. <laughs> You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much. Um, the way the way we shape these um trivia questions, we just made sure that you guys want I no, just kidding, you guys want fair and me to
1: do that. What do you
0: want to say Speak to everybody? The truth and shame
2: go? the devil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so what, what would you like to say? I, I like to say the Led Zeppelin question. I think that was kind of pointed, but anyway. Um Andrew and Allison, uh, final words, final words before you go.
2: Well, you asked us about, you know, how did we come to Elam and how did we um, come to know Christ? I'd just say for anybody listening, that was the best decision we ever made, Uh, even though, like, in the context of the time, it wasn't easy at first for us to get, you know, fitted into the community. Um, But, yeah, we just experienced so much uh, change in our lives, but it was positive change and freedom and growth. And, yeah, we'd just encourage anybody that's seeking to... Uh, to open up their hearts uh, to him because he
0: is good and you need to taste and see that he is good. Amen. Words of wisdom from Andrew and Alison Fistenich. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Andrew and Allison. God bless and we will love to see you hear more about your journey. Um, but right now, um, please get stuff ready. Uh, we have Grant Spicer bringing an incredible word. So we're handing it straight over to Grant. Grant, thank you so much. Cool.
3: Wow. This is pretty cool, this is a little bit weird, because it feels like I'm just talking to a computer screen, but I got my notes on the screen so if it looks like I'm reading, it's because I am reading, I am reading, and um, okay, if the camera shakes, I've already been told this, I'm going to try my very best not to touch the table, but my table is like a little bit wonky, you feel that, you feel that, so I'm going to try not to touch it, but we'll see what happens, if I'm like leaning on it and it moves about, that's why. But I have been informed and I will do my best. Um, But hey, tonight I just wanna share something that was on my heart um, for a little while. And uh, this is pretty cool, being able to have the opportunity to share it. But um, I also wanna merge in some other stuff I've been doing because I feel like, look, as a teacher, I planned really, really hard a lot of lessons and then the lockdown happened and I didn't get to teach them, you know? And I, there was this one lesson I had planned. We were going to do report writing. And so I had done some research into alligators because I thought they are a little bit random. It's not really uh, an animal that, that kids are going to pick. So I thought I'd do some research into, an, into alligators and then I will um, teach it to my class and we can come up with this cool report. But unfortunately, the lockdown happened and didn't get to do it. So I just want to share Okay, because I was going to challenge my kids. I was going to tell them all about how alligators are like ferocious animals. And, you know, some alligators can kill like even things as big as a lion. Um, And so I was like, I was going to challenge my kids. I was going to tell them all these different facts about how incredible they are. And then I was going to tell them that I reckon with my bare hands, okay, with my bare hands, I reckon I could take down an alligator. All right. And the, the reason I say this is because from what they've found, right, after an alligator eats, it gets satisfied. It gets so satisfied that it'll actually go into a state of like being paralyzed where it just won't move. It'll stay still. And so I was going to challenge my kids and I was going to be like, man, I reckon I could take down an alligator if I just wait until it's eaten. And then once I see that it's all satisfied in what it's consumed, then I will attack it. And I'll I'll be able to take it down. Now, chances are my kids probably won't believe me at all. But I reckon I could. And I was thinking about it because there's there's something that, that God's really placed on my heart, especially for the time that we're in. But I was thinking, you know, sometimes in life we can get paralyzed where we are, just like that alligator. Um, sometimes we can get so satisfied with things that we've accomplished. Maybe it's like, um, a small victory at work or a small um, a small win at home with your family and different stuff like that. And we can get so satisfied with what we've done that it almost leaves us paralyzed. And the, the reason this is so important is because in, in in order for God to move through us and do like his amazing works through us, we've got to be able and willing and ready to move. But sometimes we can become so paralyzed. And so I was thinking about that. Actually, it's almost like there's two two perspectives, because some people might look at that alligator who's just eaten such a satisfying meal, like really satisfying meal. And some people would look at that and go, yeah, it's paralyzed because it's satisfied. But then someone else might look at that same alligator and say, actually, it's paralyzed because it's consumed something. And I think... You know, sometimes in life we can be paralyzed with satisfaction, but then other times we can be um, consumed with stuff that leaves us paralyzed. And we could be consumed with, like, self-doubt. We could be consumed with anxiety. We could be consumed with depression. We could focus on that so much that it leaves us paralyzed. And, you know, my my question for tonight, if if you were to reflect, and actually we're in the perfect place to do that because it's like our nation has just come to a standstill where you can actually ask yourself am i paralyzed maybe am i paralyzed because of something I'm satisfied with maybe god's done something in my life and now I've focused on what happened so much that i'm not focused on what could happen or continue to happen or maybe um maybe i'm paralyzed because There's so much uncertainty going on right now. Maybe I've lost my job and I'm just paralyzed with worry. I'm consumed by it. Or maybe it's anxiety or depression. There's so many different things. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's diseases. And they can consume our thoughts. They can consume who we are to the point where we become paralyzed and unable to move. And so... You know, I was just wondering, even just where you are, if you were to stop and just take a moment and just, I mean, there might be other people around you, but if you were to just ask yourself, is there something that's paralyzing me? Is there something that's taking up my attention and taking up even my mental space to the point where I'm not able to fully focus on God? Maybe it's even busyness. Maybe, actually, a big one for young people today is other people's expectations. Maybe it's social media. Like, you're so focused on getting the likes or getting the comments or having the best photo. Have you noticed, even, this isn't in my notes, but have you noticed how Facebook has just become so dull because people aren't posting what they would normally post, photos going out here, doing this. You know, it's just like i don't know maybe it's just my one but it's just gone so dull because all of a sudden people are like i've got nothing like i've worked so hard to get the approval of other people i've been so consumed by that that it left me paralyzed um or maybe it was success maybe it was some incredible things that god did through your life and it's just left you paralyzed you know i was thinking last year okay I was paralyzed and I was stuck in this this mind frame of just sickness. And I debated whether to share this, to be honest, because um, it's a bit it's a bit odd. If we were doing this in person, I probably wouldn't share this. but because I'm talking to my computer, I'm gonna share it. okay. Last year, about this time, pretty much like a week or two from now is when it started. I got a boil, okay? I got a boil. I got a boil on my butt, which is the worst place that you can get a boil. And now that is live, that's on the internet for everyone to hear and listen to. Probably, hopefully, not on repeat. But look, I got a boil and it was my first one ever. I didn't know how I got it. No one knows how I got it. I don't know what happened, but I let it run its course and it takes a little while and it was painful and it was uncomfortable. Driving to work with a boil on your butt is. Oh, man, that's bad. Um, And so, uh, I let it run its course. It did its thing, and then it it disappeared, whatever, you know. And then a couple weeks later, it came back. It came back, and I was like, no, what is going on? Like, what is this? So, I went to the doctors. I went to the GP, and I had them check it out. Check it out, and, you know. A normal way and he gave me some antibiotics and so I was like cool they they started killing the infection and it disappeared and I was like sweet it's gone and then a few weeks later I came back I was like oh my goodness so I went back to the doctor I was like hey like, look man that boil that you treated last time it's come back and so he um, gave me a different type of antibiotic and I was like All right look hopefully hopefully this one works and so did that disappeared and then a few weeks later came back again like the same boil and so I, it's just like okay it doesn't sound like much but when you have a boil on your butt like it hurts to walk it hurts you can't sit down like my poor kids I couldn't tell them I had a boil on my butt while I was trying to teach my kids I just had to uncomfortably stand never sit on the ground like and I couldn't like do the sports or anything. Like it was pretty sad. You should, you can give me some sympathy if you want. But um, look, it disappeared, and so I got some more antibiotics. And the the guy was like, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this. This is really sad. But um, he said, look, if it comes back, we might need to go and cut it out. We might need to, you know, do some surgery or something. And so I was like, okay, look, hopefully that doesn't happen. And so. Um, it disappeared, and then it came back again. Honestly, it was like the fourth or fifth time. Like, it was it was terrible. And so I went back to him. He's like, look, we're going to go to hospital. I spent three or so days in hospital, and then um, they they cut it out, okay? They cut it out, which is meant to work. They, it's not like 100%, but it's meant to get most of it, if not all of it hopefully all of it so I did that and honestly the healing of that was so bad Um, but that's just between us so it healed and I was like cool this should be pretty good and then honestly it was a couple of weeks later and it came back like I didn't understand and so I went back to the doctors and I was like look man we just had it cut out and now it's come back and so he's like look We can try another type of antibiotic, a different one. But if this doesn't work, you might actually need to go down for some serious surgery to sort of cut open that whole region back there and then do whatever to try and get it out. And so I was like, look, that is like, I do not want that. I was talking to someone at work about it. And they were saying how, you know, they know someone who it's just a constant cycle for them. like they get the boil and then they get some antibiotics and then they, it heals and then they get the boil, get some antibiotics and then it heals. Like it's a constant cycle and that's just something that they've accepted and I thought, man, like that person is stuck in it and I'm going down that same path where I'm just feeling stuck in a cycle. Like this was a long time, all up. This was like almost half a year, um, if not just over half a year and it just kept coming back and I felt stuck. I felt paralyzed by just the sickness that wouldn't leave no matter what, and I'd be praying and I'd be, you know, um, doing everything I could to try and to try and get it to go, but I felt stuck in that process. And so I said, "Look, I took the antibiotics, but something else has got to change. Something else has got to happen." And so I was sitting there on the couch one day, awkwardly, like you know, like you sit when you're leaning forward because you can't lean all the way back. But I was trying to sit there. And I was, I just happened to remember um, something my mum used to do. I never knew why, but she would go through seasons where she would take communion every day. She would take communion every day. And sometimes I'd I'd partake in it as well. But I was young. It would have been, actually not that young, but it would have been like year 13, sort of like maybe the first year of university when I really started to think about it. And so I was thinking of that time and I was like, look, maybe that's what I need to do. I really felt it pressed on my heart, like I need to go and take communion. And so went into the kitchen straight away, random as time in the day, and I didn't have any juice, so I had water, had water, and then I think I had like a little bit of like um, a wrap, I had done like a little a little wrap, so I peeled a little bit of that because I didn't have any bread. I was like, look, I'm just going to use this. I did everything I knew about communion, which wasn't much considering all that I knew about communion was that if you're at church, then you sneak into the back after communion and you try and drink as much of the juice as you can, and then you try and eat all the bread and it fills you up. That's pretty much my extent of communion um, and the fact that you're just remembering what Jesus did on the cross. That was pretty much it. So I just took time, remembered what Jesus did on the cross. Took the bread took the juice and then that was it but the next day I thought look I need to do I need to do some some research on this I need to find out what actually is communion like why do we take it there's got to be something more to it than that and so bought a book on communion did some research on it um, and really started pressing into that and to be honest the boil left probably because of the antibiotics A couple weeks later, like I was doing communion every day because I still felt like I need to know that it's not coming back, like I need to know. And it came back. Oh my goodness, it came back. But I thought, look, I'm not going to go to the doctors this time. I'm just going to really press into communion. And so I was taking communion every day. Sometimes I was doing it twice a day if I felt like there was something I really, really needed to press into. And it was a season that, that I was going through And I think God calls us into these seasons where we actually need to press in every day um, into the power of communion. And I think, I believe personally, we're in this same season again. Um, And so, you know, at this point, I'm just going to go back to this point because there's this amazing scripture sort of outlines all about communion. And so this is what I read. This is what I read straight away. Okay soon as I was getting into it, this was First Corinthians chapter 11, um, verse 23. if you have your Bibles, you can head there now or um, I'm going to read it out to you. okay So you can just close your eyes and listen. That's fine as well. First um, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, and we'll go all the way through to verse 30. It says, "For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you." And then this is when it gets serious, all right? Verse 27, it says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord is in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. And so I read this, and I was like slightly put off by taking um by taking it because verse 29 is some freaky stuff. Like for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And there's actually a lot of talk about that. Um, and why communion is actually so serious, such a big thing. Um, and so there's two schools of thought around that, just to cover it up really quickly. Um, Pretty much communion is for those who are children of God. So for those who have made that decision to follow Jesus. And some people say around that verse that it's it's talking about, um, what is it, verse 29 where it says um, discerning the body of Christ. Some people think it's meaning the physical literal body of Christ. And some people believe it's meaning the body of Christ is like a church whole, Like, we are part of the body of Christ. Um, and to be honest, there's no clear explanation. Both of them get you to the same point though. And that's that we can't take lightly communion. And I think for me, and maybe many of you are in the similar boat, for so many years, especially when we would do it in church, I'd just take communion. It was part of, it was pretty much like a mindless ritual that I would do. And I wouldn't really think it, um, but actually, communion should be something that is like a divine moment. Like, it should be something like what we're going to do tonight. And if you have some juice and if you have some bread or cracker, you can um, get it now or just have it ready next to you. But communion should be like this. Like, if you think about that moment when Jesus was in the upper room, when he broke the bread, he already knew that he was going to be broken himself. He knew he was going to be betrayed, he knew he was going to be denied, he knew that the people in this room, in the room with him, were going to do that, and yet, scripture says, I think it's in Luke, I've got it actually a bit later on, I think, that he was so eager for that moment, he really, like, this was the moment that he wanted to be in, even though it was a time where he knew he was going to be broken. And so, you know, even with the wine, which was to symbolize his blood, which is, you know, blood is a life-giving um, source and yet he knew that he was going to have to give his own life. And so I think communion is actually meant to be done in such an intimate setting like this with your family around you or even if you're by yourself, you're still doing it and like, you can do it proclaiming with your family, which is sort of what I do because I'm currently here by myself, um, especially in this season. But I guess for me, from this point on, so this was like end of last year, communion moved from being a mindless ritual that I would just do in church, not really knowing the full significance, and moved from that to becoming a tool that we can use. It it moved from that to becoming a weapon that I could use um, to get out of being stuck. Because sometimes we're paralyzed. Sometimes we feel stuck. Sometimes we feel consumed by what is going on around us, especially when we're in lockdown, especially when there's so many unknowns happening in our community, especially when we're having to rely on everyone following the rules and we know that there's some people who aren't and we don't know what that's gonna mean and there's so many long-term effects that coronavirus is gonna have on us as a nation, on businesses, on homes, on jobs, on different stuff like that. So communion is such an important tool I have found, uh, such an important weapon to fight against being stuck and it's not about taking communion to become perfect. Um, You know, there's that saying, practice, practice, practice until you get perfect and if you were to look at communion as being a practice, it's not about practicing so much to get perfect, it's about practicing to get permanence so that something is so ingrained in your mind that that's all you focus on but we're actually going to move because of time Honestly, guys, there's so much that we could talk about. Um, And, you know, I love communion because the two things that really stick out for me are remember and proclaim. In that scripture that we read before, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Jesus is saying, remember what I've done and proclaim what I have done. And there's so much you can unpack that, you know, that word remember, God uses it so much in the Old Testament to say, you know, um, think of what I did with your ancestors. Think of um, all the good that came from their decisions, but then also um, remember when they didn't follow what happened. So that remember is like a testimony. That remember is like God used it in the Old Testament to to tell people this is an expectation. If you don't follow me, this. This is an expectation of what's going to happen. If you do follow, then this is the expectation. Like, remember what I've done in the past because I follow that same thing. And I think Jesus was saying that for us. He was saying, remember the testimony, remember my testimony in the future, that this is an expectation. What Jesus did on the cross, where he gave his body and he gave his blood, that is an expectation that everything he overcame on the cross. That is the like the legal precedent for what to expect in your own life. So anything you're going through, you know that you can remember the standard that um, Jesus set on that cross. But guys, I've planned so much. I've planned so much. And we are at 8.26. So we might actually just skip. Um, if you have communion with you, um, I have this lovely cracker here, which I have broken to a perfect size to be able to eat. It's actually just a rice cracker, to be honest, just a little rice cracker. Um, and then I have this juice here with me, which it is Barker's immunity juice. It's got heaps of vitamin C in it. So <coughs> I think it's actually really good for you. Um, but hey, look, I just wanna focus on the bread, okay? Because communion is something that you don't just need to do Um, just for you, you can also be praying over your family. You can be praying over um, those others in our church who maybe um, aren't here at the moment. You can be believing and praying into their lives. But, you know, bread was such uh, an incredible thing that Jesus chose. You know, there are 44 nutrients and vitamins that we need in order to survive. And bread, freshly ground grain bread, has 40 of those um, all within it. And so I think he chose uh, a food that actually had so much life-sustaining stuff in it. But I just want to focus on this, just for our bread, okay? Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed, Isaiah 53 verse 4, and you know, that scripture, um, that last line, by his wounds we are healed, Uh, other translations will say, by his stripes we are healed, and you know, um, scripture doesn't say exactly how many times he was whipped or lashed um, before he went to the cross, but it was their understanding that um, if you lash someone 40 times, they were going to die. So they would lash him 39 times, and the idea was that they were going to bring them to the brink of death, and then move on. Um, And so, this is important because Scripture says, "By His stripes we are healed." It was by this um, this process, it was by this beating that He endured, um, that is payment for our health and our well-being. You know, for for this whole communion, we focus so much on the cross. We focus so much on our sins, but taking communion also talks about our health. It talks about our well-being. It talks—it encompasses all of that. So this process and passion of the Christ have an amazing, um, you know, section just on this. But it's all about God, about Jesus paying the price for our health, for all our sickness, for our illnesses, for our diseases, for any mental, emotional illnesses. He's paid the price for that through his wounds, mm. through um, the last <clears throat> and that that whole process. So, you know, as you take this this little cracker here, um, it's important that you take the time to actually remember that when we're taking this, which is, which symbolizes his broken body, it's actually um, his body was broken for your help, for your healing, and so anything that you've gone through, anything that you're going through, anything that you're stuck in, anything that you're feeling ill or um, anxiety or worry or fear or uncertainty, this is the time that you can actually cast that off and say, look, God, you've already paid the punishment. You've already sacrificed for that so that I can have health, I can have strength, I can have wholeness of mind. Um, That word in the first one where it was like, Surely he, he has borne our griefs. That word grief is the Hebrew word for, I think it's colloid, colloid, which means sickness or disease or sadness. And at its root, it means to be worn down. So anything that is wearing you down, he paid the punishment for that. And so as you take the bread, you're remembering that actually he's already paid the price for our sorrows and our anxieties and our illnesses, and he paid that ultimate. Christ so that we wouldn't have to go through it and so as you take this bread I'm just skipping a little bit um, sometimes when I'm by myself I like to declare and proclaim because in that previous verse in 1st Corinthians 11 he talks about proclaiming proclaim what has been done and so I like to proclaim that um, either if there's something I'm going through if it's sickness then I'm proclaiming um, his health I'm taking hold of his health I'm taking hold of his wholeness I'm taking hold of his sufficiency. I'm taking hold of his strength. This is the time that I'm starting to proclaim. And I don't know what you're going through at the moment, but as we take this bread or this cracker or whatever it is that you have, you can proclaim what Jesus has taken from you, what you're going through now, what you're exchanging for his um, pureness and holiness. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to add anything where you are, if you want to... Um, release or let go any sickness or any anything that's hindering your walk with God, anything you feel stuck in, then you can add to it if you want. Um, but otherwise, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to take this bread. Lord God, we take um, this bread that represents your body broken for us. We declare healing in our body, in our soul, in our spirit. We align ourselves with you. We take hold of your health. We take hold of your strength and of your wholeness and of your sufficiency. And we proclaim it over our mind and over our body. We lay hold all the benefits of Jesus Christ's full redemption for my life. And we proclaim it not just over ourselves, but over our families. We remember and thank you for your body that was given so that we may be set free. Honestly, there's actually so much I wanted to unpack in that, but we can do a follow-up maybe. I don't know. And then we have the blood. This is obviously just uh, juice, but uh, the blood of Jesus wiped out the power of sin and the judgment that leads to death. His blood cut a new covenant for us with his creation, so that forever the bridge, for, so that forever to bridge the gap between us and God, which sin had created. Um, And in so doing, he fulfilled the promise um, which he made to Abraham. We are the ones that God told Abraham about, the ones who would inherit the promises and the blessings of the Lord. And so today marks Passover. Um, I don't know if you know, Wednesday the 8th marks Passover. And in Exodus 12, it talks about, Exodus 12 verse 12, it talks about on that same night, Um, God was telling, I think it was Moses and Aaron, he was saying, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn um, of of both people and animals and I will bring judgment on all all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. i just thought it was cool because today we are taking communion and it is passover and so what they did um in the old testament of course we're under the new covenant but i thought just for our nation we could try something a little bit different they would put the blood on their door frames so that when god passed over he would see the blood and he would move on and you know something that you can do maybe even in this time and i don't normally do this doing it makes no different effect but it's to help me understand what i'm going through is that our nation is being struck by a pretty serious pandemic you know the enemy's out and um it's being passed around like crazy we've had some good numbers but we still are a little bit unsure and so sometimes and you don't have to do this now but you can actually raise your glass above your head and I've only done this a few times, and it's a little bit weird, but maybe I can do it because I'm alone, but sometimes like I need to physically act out what I mean in my heart, I need to physically show what I'm trying to express, and so um, if you want, you can raise your glass above your head, and what I believe it symbolizes is that everything I've done, Everything I've said, all my wrongdoing, all my worries and concerns about where our nation is at the moment, it comes under the blood. I'm under the blood. And so when the enemy's passing by and there's sickness and there's uncertainty and everything like that, he can see the blood and know that I'm protected and know that I come under the blood. Every disease, every illness, we bring it under the blood. We lift the glass high and say, devil, you can pass on. Because we are under the blood, our churches, our ministries, our nation, our communities, our families, we bring it under the blood. Um, Honestly, and lifting it, honestly, is nothing like that's. That's just for me to physically show what I mean in my heart when I take this. Um, And so, yeah, this is the blood that represents what... um, what Jesus did on that cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven, so that we can exchange our sinfulness for his righteousness. And so as we pray, and then you can take take a glass. Lord God, we thank you for what, um, we thank you that we are sons and daughters of the King and we are strong in you. We have been crucified with Christ and um, we proclaim that we have the peace that surpasses all understanding and that we can walk In his peace, no matter what circumstances surround us. We thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross, for carrying the weight of our sins and overcoming the grave so that we might have life eternal with our Heavenly Father. We remember that you have, we we remember what you have done and we proclaim the enemy's defeat. He has no authority and no dominion in our lives or our homes or our churches. We thank you and give you all the glory in your mighty name. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much just something that I've gone through over the last year or so. Honestly, there's so much more that I wanted to unload, but just because of time we've already gone over. Um, but hey, research into it, there is power in communion and we, honestly I believe we need to be stepping into it, especially as a nation, um, what we're moving into. but otherwise um, awesome thank you for and I'll pass it back to Anne. Amen,
0: thank you so much, Grant. I'm so glad that's that, that
3: ball is behind you now.
0: So, uh, uh, God bless. Hey, um, we'll come to the end of uh, Table Talk. Um, and, hey, if you need prayer, maybe um, you need healing of any kind, we've got a prayer team there. So just click the um, the prayer button. Uh, we'll be the Prayer will still be going after this, so no worries about that if you need prayer of any kind. Um, so remember, this Friday, it's Good Friday service, starting at 10 a.m. by clicking the same link. We're going to have communion there again, a Good Friday service. We see you there. God bless, everybody. See you again. See you next week. God bless.